1: Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.
2: Happy Chiefs Thursday. Thursday, right? Yes, I'm never going to keep it straight this week. Any particular reason for this song? Oh, yeah. Pulled this Uh, one out of thin air.
3: Yeah, it did. uh, Yeah, this is Warren Zevon and the Hindu Love Gods. Hard to believe it has been now 20 years as of today since we lost Warren Zevon. Tragically, very young to mesothelioma. It's a little tribute to him. I'm
2: just listening to it here for a second. I've never heard this before. Um, This is
3: uh, yeah. This is the Prince song, "Raspberry Beret." Oh, okay. I have to switch ears here in my in that (laughs) ear. That'll make
2: me hear it a little better. Um, so welcome in. Uh, so I think the best job in media today is the people that are out at Arrowhead and have been since early this morning. You could not have picked, but other than the wildfire smoke, which you said you didn't even notice this morning, but I was choking on when I went outside. Um. Yeah, it's a gorgeous day to be out there. People have been out tailgating since early this morning.
3: Um, yeah, and I wish them luck with it. It was kind of strange because now that you know, now that I'm here, I can see the haze a little bit. But yeah, you mentioned walking outside and we're immediately assaulted by it. Where I am and Shawnee, went out to walk the dogs this morning. Uh, the, the only thing that I noticed is that for the first time in recent memory, it was cool out when I went to walk mm-hmm. the dogs. It was great. But uh, yeah, I didn't notice the smoke at all until just fairly recently
2: uh yeah i i have not gotten rid of my cough since my horrible cold a couple of weeks ago for those Mm -hmm. who haven't noticed and it's it's dramatically worse today i went out i just had to move my car my car is often parked a couple of blocks away and usually i move it a little closer at some point during the morning and i it's the worst smell the strongest smell of smoke i can remember ever experiencing here and so there's a map that you can look at it's fire.airnow.gov to look and see what the air quality is And it's a really fascinating map because it shows it is us, like here between northern Nebraska and then going up into the North uh, Dakota-Montana state line that's the worst. But the fires aren't anywhere near here.
3: No, it's all up in Canada still, right? It's all to our south.
2: It's all Oh, it's um, coming up
3: from there. Okay, got it.
2: Like by New Orleans, and then they're getting it really bad. I didn't realize this, like north of San Francisco, boy, that redwood forest up there is prime for wildfires Um, and all through Washington
3: state. Yeah, because I know Canada's still having a, r- a really nasty problem with it, but you're right. I mean, we had talked about what's the island in Louisiana that was having a real hard time. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I can't remember the name of it now. But, yeah, yeah. The, that geography all into uh, from, from southern Louisiana down near New Orleans all up into the central part of the state uh, has been really nasty for wildfires. So uh, with any luck, we'll get some you know, some of the fall rains that, uh, that the Gulf Coast is famous for it may help put some of that out.
2: So we do not have a status yet on travis kelsey i've been on twitter almost non-stop since about four o'clock this morning uh they were going to have him do a workout this morning or at some point today and let that be the test of whether he was going to play so far, we don't know the result of that yet.
3: No, and it was funny because yeah, his brother Jason Kelsey was giving an interview, and they ask about uh, Travis's status. Do we know where this came from, uh, Colin? Do we know yeah, the source of the interview? WIP Morning Show. WIP. I don't know where it's from. But Philadelphia show. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's a big uh, talk and sports station up in Philadelphia. So uh, they ask him. I don't know why they figured he would have inside knowledge, but they ask him about Travis's knee. Yeah, Trav. This was out on the field. He did. Uh, I know he's got some swelling going on, uh, but as lo- it sounds like, as long as they can get that down, yeah. um, you know, he, he's going to have a chance to go. The ligaments and everything are intact structurally. Uh, from what we know right now, uh, his knee's fine. So really, it's about getting that swelling down and then seeing how bruised that bone is. Because you know, if you, if you guys have ever had those, they can be yeah. pretty painful, especially if it's in a spot that's rubbing all the time. Mm. And uh, and that can kind of shut down your muscles and do other things. But I think he's going to be good to go. I really do. Yeah. So, and it was funny because apparently he did have some inside knowledge. That was yesterday morning. And we learned yesterday afternoon what he said right in the middle there, that there was no ligament damage, which is huge.
2: I do not make these decisions. So I'm going <laughs> to ask the two of you. Um, how hard of a game is this going to be? Because I think if it's not gonna if it's it's early in the season yet, yeah. What's the harm in letting him sit this one out?
3: There's been a lot of talk about that. And and of course the Chiefs have two things going at the same time. Not only is Travis's status in question, although as I said before, my suspicion on this is that it's it's a lot more in question, you know, kind of in the minds of the Lions than it is uh for the Chiefs. We'll see if I'm right about that tonight. But they're gonna ice him down um without Chris Jones and without Travis Kelsey, it becomes a much harder game. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and with a 17-game schedule, there really isn't one that you can kind of look past and go, okay, well, you know, we can we can lose that one even early in the season. College football, that's a lot more important. But, I mean, yeah, you have some insight you want to lend into what you think the Lions are going to bring, Colin? Pressure. Yeah. Probably a lot of pressure. And this is just football talk now on the, on the news station. But... Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> um, I asked. It's okay. You
3: know, I think... Looking at the Chiefs receiving core with a lot of young guys, they're probably going to try and pressure Pat now that he doesn't have his number one guy to throw to. If. Um, I don't think you play Travis. I don't think it's worth the risk at this point. It's a long season. And game one, if he sits out, oh, well. You know what I mean? So I think he'll be fine in the long run. But, yeah, don't risk it. Let him sit. Let him. Figure it all out. Yeah, because that's the worry, is that with the knee being weakened at all, mm-hmm. that he does something out of the field and hurts it really badly, where if you sit him and give him a, another week to rest it and get everything you know, back in order, that uh, it's you know, he's going to be much stronger in week two than he would be in week one. I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, uh, you're right. A lot of young receivers, and if you take away Patrick Mahomes' main safety valve in Travis Kelsey, the guy that he looks for first, yeah, uh, then – yeah, I mean, it just, it takes him a little bit out of the game plan, but the the Chiefs are a very, very talented team, and then Detroit Lions really kind of aren't.
2: Chris Jones was talking a little bit yesterday. He's been pretty quiet publicly about his contract negotiations. I mean, he's been open about the fact that he wants and thinks he deserves a raise, but he hasn't said much more than that. He said a little bit about it yesterday. Um, as far as I know, there's no update on him being on the field tonight.
3: No. Uh, now the one thing that he did say yesterday, in addition to, I want to raise, which is fine, but then don't sign the contract. Right. Um, you're still under contract, dude. You know, he wouldn't be the first one to pull that, but it just seems uh, you wait until the end of your deal to kind of, you know, start talking about that. On the other hand, though, uh, he did say if if they come to a deal at five o'clock before the game, he'll be ready to go at game time.
2: I just imagine what's happening behind the scenes today. There's just so much is still up in the air for a game. What time's kickoff? 7 something?
3: Seven, uh, kickoff is 7.22. Okay. Uh,
2: don't forget, today is also that big virtual tailgate that's happening today. So um, I don't know what time that starts online. I have 4 o'clock in my head.
3: I think you're right. That, that starts. Um, and, and in terms of what's going on at the stadium, uh, parking gates are going to open at 3 o'clock. The Ford tailgate district opens at 3.30 giving everybody a chance to get parked and go over there. Uh, The club level gates open at 430. That's also, yeah, when the world's largest tailgate starts. And uh, then at 5 o'clock, all the gates open, and then we just, you know, there's a bunch of little stuff that goes on between then and kickoff.
2: I forgot about the subway blimp. You did not. (laughs) Did you try to get in?
3: Yeah, I did. Oh, so the way they had it set up, it was, I believe it was 7 o'clock our time. Uh, when when they finally opened up the, the queue to get in. But if you went to the site before that, you saw a countdown clock to, okay, five minutes until, the, you know, until we open the queue, and then you, know, you just have to wait in line and see if you get a ticket. Um, and then it counts all the way down, and then as soon as it counted down to zero, it said, you are now number blank in line. Wait here and, you know, and and you can register. And it it said when I went in, it said you have about an hour's wait. So I thought, okay, well, uh, I don't know if this is just for Kansas City or if this is for every city. But it said you're number 493 in line. So as soon as it opened, I was already 500 people back. And needless to say, about a half hour later, it just clicked in and went, sorry, all the seats have been taken. You're out of luck
2: remind me it's the next few days it's like three days this week that they're doing it today tomorrow or tomorrow thursday
3: i think they started yesterday so yeah i think it's going on yesterday and then uh today though i I don't know if they're going to do any early flights obviously the closer you get to game time there's going to be a lot of restrictions on airspace so right uh, and then yeah i think thursday and friday um, or I'm sorry, it is Thursday. Yeah, Friday and Saturday. See, I'm doing it too now. I know. It's my fault. <laughs> I should shut up. No, it's, it's the short week's fault. So, yeah, then Friday and Saturday, and then I think they're on to the next city. But it's a while. There's a big layoff. There's like a three-week layoff in between now and when they, they go to the next place they're going.
2: I hope we'll maybe try for this tomorrow or Monday to talk to anybody that got to ride. Just to see what that experience was like. Oh, yeah. It's just always a cool thing. So
3: we saw it uh, over the weekend. We happened to be out, Jen and I, uh, driving around on the north side. And we're coming down to the the road that's now closed and ended up getting in all kinds of traffic problems because of that. But we drove right by the downtown airport and the blimp was back there. It was you know Mm -hmm. back near the tree line, but it was just kind of sitting there waiting. And I thought, oh, cool. By the way, speaking of which. If I had to ask you, how many blimps do you think are currently in service worldwide? How many would you guess? Just a, just a shot in the dark kind of guess. A thousand. About a dozen. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, right. there's, <laughs> that's the, the closest guess anybody has is there's about 12. There's about 25 blimps still in existence, and only about half of those are currently in service. So that subway blimp is one of about a dozen that are flying around the world right now. Why did I think a thousand? Why is that the first number that I came up with? I would have thought that, too. It's like, okay, well, yeah, I mean, there's the Fuji one and there's the the Shamu blimp and there's, you know, all the Goodyear blimps and all of that. Apparently not. So it it just isn't that many. It's a mode of travel that had its moment back in the 30s. And ever since then, it's been on the decline.
2: Well, now I want to look and see where they all are. (laughs) And if that shows up on
3: giving you another rabbit hole to go down,
2: seriously, this now is like, I'm going to look for another website. Just again, FlightAware is the one that I can't stay off of. I'm sure there's a website that tracks where they are and just to see like what's what they do and what's on them and stuff like that. But this one has sandwiches. This is Subway. This one has Subway sandwiches on it. Yep. A couple of you were telling us on the text line on our sister station, 610 Sports, Clark Hunt said he thinks Travis will play. Um, and apparently Chris Jones says he will be in a suite at the game tonight. Oh, okay. Oh, Cody from 610 Sports was on it yesterday? Was on the
3: blimp? Oh, no. Wow. <laughs> We're going to have to go rope well, him in easy. here during a commercial break or something. <laughs>
2: He's easy to reach for us. All how we just have to do is pound on, what? pound on the wall behind you.
3: And Now you know, you know where where the real power lies in this building. It is not here. It's over next door at Six Ten Sports. They're the yes. ones that get in and go to the blimp. Very nice code. No, I'm happy for him. I think that's great.
2: Yeah, uh, we'll have to see how the. Th- He's a little busy with the Chiefs today, but we'll. Uh, I'm sure we'll try to catch up with him tomorrow. So we'll keep. We'll. If we get any updates on how the crowd is, and if you are out there today, I mean, if you got in line or went out there because there were a lot of people that were out there already, feel free to give us a
3: call. And let us know how it's going. Yeah, another thing is you know, somebody just texted in and said they've seen the blimp already up, even in this dense haze. Uh, there have been pictures all over social media for the last couple of days of the blimp up in flight. So, yeah, yeah keep those coming, too. A lot of those have been really, really cool. Apparently, you've got better cameras than I do.
2: Yeah. um, I want to make a quick note about weather as I switch gears here dramatically. Um, The new hurricane forecast is in for Hurricane Lee. This is the one that we told you we were watching very closely yesterday. It's still pretty far out in the Atlantic, um, but it is now forecast to intensify into a category five hurricane. I don't think Florida is going to be in danger of this. I mean, they'll get very, very outer bands, maybe of of wind and rain, but this is like aiming straight for Puerto Rico.
3: Yeah, it's it looks like um, yeah, it, Puerto Rico and points north. So depending on which track it takes, uh, the Bahamas are very much in danger of this thing. Uh, Puerto Rico, Hispaniola, um, and maybe by the time that it would have reached Cuba, it's going to start heading north. But then, I mean, you've got the northern Bahamas and you've got Bermuda to worry about eventually. So who knows? But right now, yeah, that track is just a straight line headed right for the Bahamas.
2: Yeah, so we'll keep an eye on it here. Again, it's way too early to know exactly. I mean, it'll be this will this will go through the course of the weekend. It doesn't seem to be moving that quickly right now. So we'll keep an eye on that and see what the uh, what the path is there. All right, coming up, we have two wrecks to talk about involving teen drivers. Um, And we have to talk first about this really awful one. This was in Missouri. We have three 15-year-olds involved in a wreck here to talk about. We'll get to the story coming up next here on KMBZ. Real quick, uh, thanks to the text line for pointing out that if you do wanna track the blimp today, If you go to flightradar24.com, it was too obvious. I I didn't realize that that's what it was, but it's the big circle pin over Kansas City if you just click on
3: it. (laughs) They want everybody to see it. That's funny.
2: Yeah, it's funny. I was clicking on every other little airplane to kind of see if that was it. No, it's, it's the big red dot right in the middle of the screen. And you can track it, and it looks like somebody's just scribbling back and forth on the radar when you look at the path. Nice. So um, yeah, it'll be obvious to you. uh, Flightradar24.com if you wanna go check that out. Okay, St. Louis Post-Dispatch is the version of this that I have in front of me. Um, And John, maybe you might be able to give us a little insight into the area where this happened, but you have three 15-year-old boys and a 15-year-old was the driver of this car. So the three of them uh, are together in this vehicle at 6.30 in the morning. When they crashed this car into a vacant house, this is in University uh, University City, and all three of these boys died.
3: Yeah, it's uh, where they were on Groby Avenue in U-City. Uh, University City is an area that is mostly known for the U-City Loop, which is Delmar Boulevard. Uh, That's where Blueberry Hill is, and there's a whole bunch of historic restaurants, and that's where the St. Louis Walk of Fame is with the stars and the pavement and all of that stuff. This is away from there a little ways uh, toward... There's a big mall there, um, and and there's not much else except for a lot of houses. um, And Groby Avenue has a giant bend in it. Uh, halfway down that goes up to Missouri 340 uh, that goes right through St. Louis. So if they were there you know, late at night, early in the morning, like you said, I mean, at six, by 630, the sun's up. They should have been able to yeah. see just fine, but it makes you wonder what they were doing all night or you know, what they were doing that early in the morning going out and driving around, especially considering the fact that it was three 15-year-olds who were in the car. Do you know how – so they were all
2: students at Ladue Horton
3: Watkins High School. Uh-huh. I am assuming that's in that area, uh, yes? It's, it's close. Ladue is a little south of there, uh, okay. and Ladue is also a very, very wealthy section of St. Louis. Okay, so
2: the Highway Patrol is investigating this. They said the car belonged to the driver's mother. It was speeding east at about 6.30 in the morning on Groby Road near Mulberry Lane. It failed to make a curve, went through a yard, and crashed into the house. And we have a lot of pictures of this house that it crashed into Um, and it was I guess it was a vacant house that was house that was being renovated yep so there was nobody in it there was nobody that was injured there but this house is a mess in terms of this car going through it
3: yeah it it looks like there was no break yeah I mean it looks like they didn't try to stop they just drove smack into the house and and what was going on at the time Again, who knows? Uh, I mean, I'm sure the police are going to try to piece all of that together. But all we know is they said traveling too fast for conditions. I, I don't know exactly what that what the conditions were at the time. Um, I mean, I guess if it was raining or something like that. But still, they were just driving too fast. Period. When they say they were speeding, especially on a curve. Yeah, uh, on a curve. And and Groby Avenue is not a big street. Um, it's, it's a kind of a conduit. It gets from one place to another by virtue of that curve, but it's not a big road. So it's not a place where you would generally go speeding through. Um, you know, it's, it's not like a divided highway with two lanes on either side or anything like that. It's just a residential street.
2: One of the things that police are investigating is, um, at one point university police had said hours earlier in the early morning and through the night, they had tried to pull over a car similar to the one in this crash. Uh And then they lost sight of it and they were looking for it when this crash happened. They're still trying to figure out if these two vehicles were the same. But what were three 15 year olds doing out? um, I don't know, maybe there are logical reasons that I'm not thinking of. I know there are some high school practices and things that happen before school. I don't think they happen at 630 in the morning.
3: Well, depending. I mean, keep in mind, we've been moving things before school now because of the heat. Yeah. But even so, uh, I mean, it sounds like if it was the car that that they had seen earlier on, That this was a bunch of kids who were out all night if it was the same car we just don't know the answer to that um but yeah i mean if they were speeding through and they they had come to the attention of the police earlier in the evening and were just cooking down that road then they would have hit that curve and just kept going
2: yeah and so i have questions like did mom know the 15 year old had taken her car out and if so At what point did she learn it? And heaven forbid, I hope she didn't learn it with a phone call from the highway patrol about this wreck. Hopefully she had discovered it before then. Um, and, And again, a 15 year old, I cannot think of a circumstance legally where a 15-year-old can drive in the state of
3: Missouri. No, and I, I'm trying to remember because we moved to the Illinois side before my kids were of driving age, but I know at least on the Illinois side when they got their license and Missouri was talking about doing the same thing at the time, they, they passed a law that said if you are, even if you are an underage driver, if, if you're under the age of 18, I believe it was, it might have been 21, that you couldn't be in the car with more than one other teenager. You know what I mean? Because they, they yes. didn't want a big group of teenagers all in the car because they figured, oh, you're going to be listening to music and not paying attention and whatever. So they they restricted the number of teenagers who could be in the car at the same time with a teenager behind the wheel. So if that was the case, I mean, that that becomes yet another thing that they were doing wrong. But with four 15-year-olds, you've got nobody who's of legal, legal driving age. Nobody could have had an actual license in that car. Right.
2: Right. And it's the 15-year-old that's driving, and the 15-year-old in the driver's seat is the only one with a seatbelt on. Why weren't the other two wearing seatbelts? And and again, I hate to victim blame, but it's a pretty startling story to hear about. Three 15-year-olds involved in a wreck at 6.30 in the morning on a weekday. A little far from their school, you know, to be just kind of out. Kids don't tend to be out at 6.30 in the morning for their health unless they were out all night the night before. Yeah. Um, so it, it's just concerning that you had somebody that was clearly driving illegally. And again, police are looking into it to try to figure out exactly what was going on there.
3: And if anything, I mean, this is more back up to that idea of saying, you know what, if, if all there are teenagers in the car, then there can only be a couple of you. And if there's more than that, it's just, it's a dangerous situation by itself. But of course, I mean, it looks like they were breaking a number of rules. Right, um, so
2: we'll wait. If you have thoughts on that one, nine one three five eight six seven seven nine eight, then we have another teen driver, and this story to get to out of Fresno about the number of kids that were hurt at a bus stop in this wreck. Get to that coming up next year on KMBZ.
1: You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medella is your reward. Medella, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.
2: 913 5867 798. The good news about this next story is that the driver, at least, is of legal age to drive at 16. I don't know if he had a driver's license, but at least the chances are better that he would have. Uh, But nonetheless, at 3.30 in the afternoon in Fresno, he's driving a truck. He's got his 14-year-old sister in the car with him. That becomes important here in a second. And they end up crashing into a bus stop near Roosevelt High School. 11 children, all students were injured there. Uh, It looks like nobody was, was majorly hurt. We got to talk about what the parents did or didn't do in this wreck here with these two teenagers.
3: Yeah, uh, well, in a, you know, a little more detail on this, they said it's unknown if drugs or alcohol were a factor in the crash. But officials say the incident was unintentional, so they didn't mean to drive through a bus stop full of kids, which is good, I guess. Uh, but they said the incident will be investigated as a felony hit and run. And the investigation will take place regarding to the family member who picked the suspect up, which is what you were just referring to. And drove them away from the scene. Just went and got them. Yeah. Um, Yeah. The mayor
2: of Fresno said police learned a teenager was driving a black pickup at a high rate of speed described as reckless and then lost control, jumped a curb, and crashed into the 20 students that were waiting at the, it's FAX bus stop. I assume that's Fresno
3: Public Transit. Fresno Area Express, yes. Thank you.
2: Um, And so yeah, after the crash, police say the driver and his 14-year-old sister fled the scene and were picked up by a family member who drove them away from the scene. And it was thanks to witnesses and school staff that were able to stop the car and take the suspect into custody. We might have to have a conversation about the parents mm-hmm. and the role here a little bit.
3: Yeah, uh, if it was indeed parents, I mean, they they just said family member. Oh, but you're right. But, but yeah, whoever. Right. I mean, we can we can make the assumption that I mean, if you're uh, if you're a teenager, you've got your 14 year old sister with you. You're in a wreck like that. You call mom or dad. Um, I mean, could have been an older brother or sister, but chances are it was probably one of the parents. And they said, yeah, went and picked him up. And who does that? Who says, oh. Uh, well, you've already fled the scene of an accident. I'll make matters worse by picking you up and driving you away from the scene.
2: So the sixteen-year-old is under arrest, and like John said, it, it felony charges are what they're looking at here. I don't know if leaving the scene of an accident is going to be one of them. Oh yeah, but I certainly hope so.
3: Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, you, you can't, you just can't do that. Um, and everything that you do to try to mitigate this, first of all, I mean, 10 seconds worth of thought, not even that, leads you to understand that if you had to flee the scene on foot, they're going to know whose truck that is. Right. Right.
2: Um, now you got me thinking maybe like it's like an older brother or something. Like if you were 16 years old and you were in trouble like that, Is there there an older, like, teenage sibling that you could have called maybe because you don't want to call mom and dad?
3: My older sister would have said, well, that was a dumb thing to do. (laughs) Right, right. Which way to the
2: police station do I take you? Where exactly?
3: The the idea of her picking me up and taking me away from the scene? No, she'd have probably picked me up and taken me back to the scene and handed me over to the cops and said he did it.
2: So we don't know if the teenager had a driver's license, um, but just what possibly could have happened here? I mean, I get it. Things happen where you lose control. It was a clear sunny day. There's not a cloud in the sky because we've got pictures of the wreck because it's quite the scene when you crash into a group of 20 kids. We don't know whose vehicle it was. I'm curious about that too. And again, they describe him as reckless. I mean, he's driving too fast for where he should be to the point that you lose control, go over a curb and you can't stop
3: yourself. What were you doing at 3.30 PM? Especially when you see what you're about to hit I mean, right. w- when you see a bus stop full of kids, what are you thinking? And and then um, the good thing about this, I mean, going to what you said about uh, it doesn't look like any of the injuries was particularly serious. The mayor of Fresno, Mayor Dyer, came out and said, what we want parents to know is that your child is OK. They are in the hospital or being looked at. But it appears that out of everything we know at this time, they're going to be OK. And that was again, it was a direct quote from the mayor. Um, so, yeah, but there's still going to be a lot of trouble behind this. Because easily, it could have gone the other way.
2: Oh, yeah. With 11 kids injured, yeah. Might have been a broken leg, which is not small, or some back injuries. But the fact that nobody died here, we don't know how fast he was going. But if he's going fast in an area like that and crashes into a group of kids, that's pretty amazing. So be curious to find out more about that. Okay, um, coming back to Missouri here, this was on our list yesterday that we didn't get to, um, and there's a version of this out of the Associated Press, and it's a question about uh, we have a guy in Missouri who's convicted of killing a police officer in Clinton who is challenging who should get to hand down death sentences.
3: Yeah, this is an interesting one because the way this worked out is that Missouri is only one of two states in all 50 where a judge has the power to do that. And it's only under certain circumstances that this can happen. Normally, it's up to a jury to recommend the death penalty or recommend life in prison without parole or recommend whatever sentence that they recommend. And the judge can just act on that. But in this case, where you have uh, the convict in this case, uh, the uh, Missouri and Indiana, by the way, are are Mm -hmm. the two states where this can still happen. So the guy's already convicted of murder. And the jury deadlocks on the sentencing recommendation. Some of the jurors wanted the death penalty. Some of them didn't. So they went back to the judge and said, we can't decide. And the judge said, that's OK. I got this recommended death. And, and what the case that they're making is because Missouri and Indiana are such outliers that they have given the judiciary in the state of Missouri and by extension in Indiana too much power to be able to hand down a death sentence in a summary fashion like that.
2: And we've talked before about how much power judges should have in general, but in cases like this or in cases that we've had where you can have prosecutors and the defense that will come up to some kind of deal about what a defendant should get for a sentence. And the judge will just completely throw that out the window and do what they want anyway. Yes. 913-586-7798. Nine one three five eight six seven seven nine eight. Again, we are one of two states. I don't know what you do then. I assume it becomes life in prison. In other states where you have juries that can't come to a conclusion, well, if you can't agree on death, it's life in prison then.
3: Right. There would have to be a unanimous verdict on, on the sentencing recommendation the same way that it would have to be uh, a unanimous verdict on guilt or innocence. So uh, Florida, by the way, is looking at doing this. They're looking at reversing that and going with a uh, – a non-unanimous jury recommendation, which may be the solution to this as well, unless, of course, you're tied six to six. So then you're still not going to have any kind of consensus. But what Florida's doing is they're looking at saying, okay, still has to be unanimous verdict for a conviction, but for the death penalty, it only has to be a majority of the jurors. They haven't done it yet, but they're looking at it, yeah.
2: Um, So, uh, this guy's name is Ian McCarthy. Uh, The officer that he killed was Gary Lee Michael Jr. It was during a traffic stop in 2017. So, McCarthy's attorneys filed a motion asking a Jackson County judge to declare the state law unconstitutional and to give him life life in prison. It'll be interesting because the motion will be considered tomorrow at a sentencing hearing.
3: Yeah, and this is going to be a fascinating one to watch because the case that they're making is that because Missouri and Indiana are, are the two outliers, that 48 states don't do this and Missouri and Indiana do, that, that you have a, a judicial system in Missouri and Indiana that's less fair to the accused. Now, I know, cry me river, right? The guy was convicted of killing a cop. I, I get that. But that's the argument that they're making. I wonder if that's going to hold any water because my suspicion would be that the courts will come back and say, yeah, we're outliers. So What? We're allowed to be as long as we pass constitutional muster, we're still allowed to do things that are more harsh than other states do. And it doesn't really matter how many other states do it another way. We're still protected.
2: And the death penalty is a state decision. Yes, it's it's a state by state decision. I don't like it. But it's, you can have states, you could have one state be the only one, and that would still be okay. We decided that's a state-level decision.
3: Yeah, and where I think this is really going to fall apart for McCarthy, and again, my own feelings about the death penalty completely aside, Mm -hmm. where I think this is going to fall apart and he's still going to face the death penalty, is they're saying that because Missouri and Indiana are those outliers, that that violates the Eighth Amendment guarantee against cruel and unusual punishment where that falls apart is it's not the punishment that's at issue. It's the judicial ability to meet out that punishment. So does it only become cruel and unusual when a judge says it rather than, rather than if the jury did? I mean, that doesn't seem to make any sense.
2: Um, there is precedent, For it being up for for a judge sentencing death and that being upheld, it's happened before, Mm -hmm. Um, not that long ago. uh, Missouri Supreme Court in 2019, this is out of Channel 9, upheld the sentence for Craig Wood. A judge sentenced him to death uh, for kidnapping, rape, and killing a ten-year-old girl in 2014. He's still on death row. So there is precedent for the so he can challenge it and appeal it. But the Missouri Missouri Supreme Court, as long as it aligns, would uphold it.
3: Why is it always the worst? Like the most obvious cases that seem to make this kind of appeal. Right. One guy murders a cop. Another guy rapes and murders a ten-year-old. Like the two that most of us would go, yes, snuff him out. Go ahead. I mean, why why couldn't it be a case that at least I see? That's my curiosity with this: is how in the case of a cop murderer, how a jury deadlocked on death on that? Because normally that's the easiest decision to make.
2: Boy, well, um, that's, yeah, you're right. I mean, the fact that they couldn't decide, I wonder how close they were to deciding.
3: Yeah, it doesn't say. We we unfortunately don't have that information about how, you know, whether it was 10 to 2 or Mm -hmm. 11 to 1 or 6 to 6. Yeah, was there one holdout? Yeah.
2: Was there just one that said, I don't want this to be death, and it had to be unanimous, and they couldn't get there? And again, I'm fascinated by the fact that the law, and again, this is where Missouri is just different, where the law says, um, It has to be unanimous, and again, that's what Florida has changed, is that it doesn't have to be. Mm -hmm. But I'm surprised that it doesn't just go to life in prison. But again, this is where Missouri is different, that we allow a judge to basically impose whatever they want.
3: And you said we'll we'll know tomorrow? Is the decision tomorrow or is the hearing tomorrow?
2: The hearing's tomorrow. Okay, so it may Um, be a while. Channel 9 says Judge Marco, Marco Roldan will consider the motion at a sentencing hearing on Friday. But I'd love to know who's covering that for Channel 9. We might have, to, might have to chat with them a little <laughs> bit after that. Um, if you have thoughts here, should a judge be able to, I mean, in Missouri, they can. But in this case, should a judge, where the jury cannot come to a decision about a sentence, should a judge be able to take the more serious of the two and and go on on the more extreme end of the two? And if not, how do you settle what the sentence is going to be?
3: Yeah, could, because keep in mind... It- the defendant has the ability to request a summary judgment on innocence or guilt. Mm-hmm. So if you want to, it's it's normally a really bad idea, which is why most people don't do it. Uh, but if you want to, you can go to the judge and say, judge, I don't want to you know, trial in front of a jury. I want you to decide if I'm innocent or guilty. So if a judge already has that power with the consent of the defense, which is why it almost never happens then why wouldn't the judge then have the power also to make that same kind of a decision as far as death penalty is concerned?
2: If you have thoughts here, 913-586-7798. Still to come this hour, as long as we're talking about law and justice, Mayor Quentin Lucas this morning put out um, publicly a very lengthy letter from him and the city to Jackson County about the future of a new detention center. Talk about that a little bit coming up next here on KMBZ. 913 586 um so there are developments in the what i'm gonna call is a mess over what we're gonna do about a new detention center in jackson county if you've not been following this we are long past a groundbreaking ceremony for (laughs) this new detention center um and mayor Quentin lucas came out with a very lengthy letter this morning from the city to the county basically saying we're out It was going to be a a team effort between the county and the city. And the city says now,
3: we're out and we're going to do our own. Do you get the feeling that there were a lot of things that built up and led to this letter? Because, boy, I mean, it reads like he is... Very quietly seething. Yes. When you read every word of this letter, it's like I'm going to put this in as as genteel a term as I possibly can. But I hate every single one of you, and I never want to see your ugly faces ever again.
2: Uh, so what we're talking about here is a 300 million dollar, 1,000 bed detention center. And again, the work is already underway. Um, expected to open late 2025. And he goes through three main reasons why he says, we're not in this. We're out.
3: Yeah. And a lot of it, as you might imagine, with anything like this is going to have to do with money. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, And of course, I mean, that's where it starts. Because he said they're having trouble and apparently have been for a long time. Getting a clear view of exactly what the county is going to be expecting of the city. And when you enter into a deal like that, I mean, you know how that works. If you enter a de- into a deal like that and they say, OK, well, a portion of this is going to be your responsibility. And you say, great. What portion? And they say, eh, we'll get to that later. That means it's going to be a giant portion that you don't want to pay. So it looks like that's where it started is that they just can't get a grip on exactly what the county is expecting from the city and exactly what the county is going to pony up.
2: And I don't, I don't blame you for not wanting to be in a deal like that. If you don't don't know know how much it's going to cost you. Um, timeline also came up as a reason, Yep. basically saying you are rushing us into decisions and not giving us time to make them. That's the bottom line of that, including something coming up next week. Yeah, we don't we don't we need more time than you are giving us.
3: Right. And so, I mean, because they accelerated the time frame, then, you know, the city's not going to be able to meet those obligations. But that goes right back to number one, which is, okay. how are we supposed to meet an obligation like that when we still don't know how much this is going to cost us? And then the final impediment, he said, uh, to cooperation links to fair disagreements between the city and county about what the facility will look like. And again, how do you break ground if those agreements aren't already made on exactly what how many cells it's going to be, what what the facility is going to look like, what the footprint of it's going to be? If you don't know that, then how are you supposed to run into an agreement as far as that's concerned when that hasn't been settled yet? So the mayor said he will announce a
2: new group that will start working on a proposal to allow the city to build a jail of its own. They need a new jail and Kansas City acknowledges we we need one. And so he basically said, you know what, fine. We'll, we'll get a group, we'll get, we'll get people together, we'll get a committee together, we'll get a proposal, we'll build one on our own. Mm-hmm. As far as I know, Jackson County has not responded to this letter yet, at least not publicly, who knows what's happening behind the scenes, but publicly they haven't responded yet. And I can just imagine the conversations now that happen behind the scenes in Jackson County going, hey, wait a minute, we we because you need a much smaller facility yeah. if Kansas City's not in it. And where are you getting the money from now? Because you needed some of Kansas City's money to get it done.
3: And some of the state's money to, to be able to get it done, because the state yeah. had pledged some money into this as well. And I want to read just the last line of this, because I think it's fantastic. He, he closes the letter. As a Jackson County resident myself, I thank you for your dedicated service to our community and for your outreach as we work to resolve, as we look to resolve this problem that is key to the long-term safety of the people of the county and the greater Kansas City region, which is about the most polite middle finger I've ever seen in my life.
2: Does this remind (laughs) you at all of, remember when we talked about the letters that were going back and forth between the city and Clay County
3: about a new stadium? About the stadium, exactly.
2: Very same tone, very same tone uh, that you feel here. Um, I give the mayor credit for releasing this publicly at six 30 this morning or mm-hmm. whatever it was. Um, and we don't know what happens from here, but only knowing Kansas city side of it, keep in mind. That's all we have right now is, and, and we have the history, but you got to understand, yeah, they don't want to be a part of something where they're being rushed and I assume there was some wrangling to get to this point.
3: Yeah, well. And, of course, I mean, I mean, there must have been. He's not the type to – the mayor is, is many things. I don't consider him to be a hothead. No. So if things – I mean, if, if he were, this would have been a much more terse letter. It was right. not. I mean, there's a lot that you can read in between the lines, I think, but there is nothing in this that comes out as overly hostile. On the other hand, um, when when it comes to things like that, yes, the money is a big deal. But going into that footprint for just a minute and going into the fact that they can't come to an agreement on what the facility is going to look like, keep in mind, did you see the video yesterday of the, of the, uh, of the Pennsylvania escape? The guy that they've been it's looking on my for. List still.
2: I need to see it. Yeah. Oh
3: my. I mean, because two walls are too close together, this guy is able to put his hands on one wall, his feet on the other and crab climb out of jail. If you're not extremely careful about exactly how that thing is constructed, that's the kind of thing you're going to be in for. And he doesn't want that on his head. This will be fascinating to watch and see what the response is. And I hope the response is public and
2: I hope it's soon. So we'll stay with the city dispute. Coming up next, we'll go to Utah for this next one about the fight to save Great Salt Lake. That's in the next hour here on KMBZ.
1: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today